we even see instances where the results might not be amazing or might not quite meet that expectation. But if the care is there and that human connection piece is there, that, that can actually go even further than, than amazing results. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions, where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today, I'm joined by Ben McClellan. He's the founder of The Empowered CEO which helps agencies and coaches increase retention and lifetime value. Ben, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chase. I'm excited to chat because increasing intention or retention, I should say, is one of the core focuses of what we do at high level. So I'm curious to hear how you guys help folks do that as well. Um, but give me the quick backstory. How did you get into this consultation type of role? Yeah, sure. So uh, a few years ago, I worked at a company called Traffic and Funnels. And um, for part of my time there, I was their client success director. And so I was responsible for overseeing about 250 active clients, um, plus a coaching team. And I was really responsible for crafting, you know, the client experience, you know, making upgrades to that, looking at how we could really serve our clients better, get them better results, but also, you know, have them stick around for longer. And so, you know, after working with over about a thousand clients there, I, I went out on my own last year. And um, after a few months, really started to hone in on what we call the raving fan formula. So that's, that's our methodology. And so, you know, we've worked with tons of coaching programs, tons of agencies really around, uh, honing in their client experience so that they can retain clients for longer and, and ultimately be more profitable. Hmm. That's really interesting. So it's funny that you bring that up because we were just internally, um, my team and I were looking at uh, the website of one of, uh, of someone from the high level community who is world-class at the service that they really focused on, like world-class. And we were going through the reviews and most of which were fantastic, but there was one negative one that jumped out and it was like, for the, for the cost and the level of service they provide, the only feedback we have is that we feel like we wish we were treated better. Mm. Like, I'm just summarizing, but it was essentially yeah. like hitting on that, like the customer experience aside from the services and the results, which yeah. I think often gets overlooked. And I, I mean, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and, you know, oftentimes what we find is that companies are trying to like exceed client and customer expectations. And there have been lots of studies done that just show, you know, if you can actually just meet your clients' expectations, it's going to go further because one, as a company, like you can, you can repeat that. If you're always trying to exceed, 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 it's hard to scale that. Right. Mm -hmm. But also the clients really just want to get what, what they signed up for. And at the same time, be, be treated well as a human, you know, mm -hmm. and we even see instances where the results might not be amazing or might not quite meet that expectation. But if the care is there and that human connection piece is there, that, that can actually go even further than, than amazing results. So that, that, that kind of points to what you're sharing here. Yeah. I always harp on that point as far as like, for me, the, the and we, let's talk about this. The early stages, the setting of expectations and, you know, trying to position, we used to try to position ourselves as like, hey, you know, we're here to help you and we're going to run these tests. It's going to give us information and then we can all act on the data when we have it instead of like, we're going to take it to the moon. Everything's going to be amazing. You know what I mean? And so when you're in that position, 
you, you can have these honest and open conversations, like you said, that, that even if they're not like the result isn't great, they still feel like they're in great hands. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things we've identified, especially in agencies, because they, the team tends to not have any coaching background is helping the team members that are interfacing with clients have a little bit of coaching skill, right? And ultimately it's like asking good questions, you know, uh, tapping into their emotional intelligence, because again, like as, as humans, we want to know, like, we're being heard, you know, we're, we're like, um, our expectations are being considered as we're going through a process. And, and so, you know, that's kind of one of those big gaps that we see with agencies is like, there's not much of that coaching skill. And, you know, that's one of the things we're, we're trying to help more agencies with. That's interesting. Do any like tips come to mind? Like, how do you teach that? Yeah, yeah. So we start really simply. And, and if you know, if you guys want a book that's, that's really fundamental, it's called The Coaching Habit. Um, and there's, there's just like some simple open ended questions like, hey, Chase, what would be most valuable for us to go over on our call today? Mm. Instead of like me coming in with reports and going, hey, here are all the numbers and everything looks great. It's like, I, in that scenario, I'm not considering like what's actually most valuable for you. So something as simple as that makes the client go, oh, wow, Ben's considering like what I want out of this phone call instead of just plowing through a report as an example. That's funny because when you said that, I, I literally can recall conversations where when you'd say something like that, like, hey, I, you know, I have all the reporting here. We can go through it. Um, but, you know, is there anything that you wanted to cover? And they'd be like, actually, yes. Thank you so much for asking. We're considering having this event. We're really scrambling. We're behind. Is there anything you guys could do? And it opens up this opportunity to be the hero, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, even something as simple as at the end of the call, Hey, you know, Chase, what was most helpful or valuable for you today? Because that gives the team uh, ideas around like, what does this client actually want in our interactions and our communication with them? Interesting. So in the notes for our call, mm -hmm. I saw something that was really interesting because it's uh, and <laughs> the way that you worded it is genius. And I'm not going to say that <laughs> I'm anywhere near a genius, but the idea is how do you download genius from one person into a team? And I think the example that you just gave is kind of an interesting one. It's like teaching uh, communication type of skills is kind of hard to do. I don't even know where you would start really, but how do you do that? How do you transfer that kind of stuff from one person to a team of people? Yeah, so uh, we start with some simple frameworks, right? So as an example, we all know that onboarding is one of the most important pieces of any engagement. Like if you mess up onboarding, you can you can lose a client right there. Mm -hmm. sure. Even as a fulfillment company, like we've, we've done that a couple of times in the past year and a half. There's just you know, it's like a missed calendar invite or, or silly stuff, but it can get the engagement off on the wrong foot. So even setting something simple like, hey, here's the onboarding call framework. And we don't want to have our people like reading a script, but it's like, here are the pieces that we really want to cover. And um, so starting with that, but then also what we do is we'll review like account manager calls and kind of see like, how are they leading the call now? And then just, again, giving them some like simple questions, simple ways to think about how to create real connection with clients as they're serving them in the process. Hmm. I like the, I like the question at the end, because I can recall scenarios like that too, where it's like, 
training somebody like, oh, that client could care less about the ranking report. Like all he wants to know is this specific thing. So make sure you have that ready when you go talk to them and you'll be done the call in like five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, that's part of it too, is identifying what type of person is this client, right? And we tend to do three basic buckets. So there's the warrior, uh, which is like the person who's worried, like, is this going to work for me? Or they need to know like every little detail. So there's that person. Then there's like the controller who, you know, they sort of believe in what you do, but you kind of have to, you know, convince them and they want to be in some control of the process. So it can be a little bit of this, you know, especially at, at the beginning of the process. And then you've got like more of the follower who just like trusts in your process. They're like bought in, you know, they're, they're easier to serve. And so, you know, by going through and trying to identify clients in certain buckets, it gives your your delivery team more ideas of like, oh, this is how I need to show up with this client to really serve them well. I was going to say, where do you go with that? Do you have like specific things like do not say these types of things with this type of client or do not ask these types of questions, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. It, it really helps to frame the communication when you understand like what type of client is this? And like, you know, with a controller, if your team shows like a lack of confidence, they're going to stomp all over your team, right? So you've got to show up with clarity. You've got to show up sharp with confidence. You know, with the warrior, you're, you're just going to want to be reassuring them in certain simple ways along, along the way and even showing them like, hey, this is where we are now. This is what the next step is. So they have that like predictability within the process or, you know, for someone who's a warrior, showing them the typical peaks and valleys of of working with you. It might be like, hey, you know, it's going to take us about three to five weeks to dial these ads in. So just understand, understand that like the results may not be amazing in the first month, but by month two, three, we'll get things dialed in because then their expectation is is set appropriately and they're not like, oh, you know, worried about the the process the whole time. I mean, it's really interesting when you do it, when you run an agency, you have these conversations for long enough, you subconsciously start to categorize people, mm-hmm. but I've never actually like put names to them. And I can, I can think back to a couple of people in particular, but one, one guy who was very, you know, we were redoing his website, some landing pages and stuff. And the first couple of calls, it was like, is this good? Is this even good? I feel like I could do this. I feel like if I had time, I could make that. And da, 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 da. And it wasn't until we sort of really pushed back hard and said like, well, you know, we've designed thousands of websites in this industry. And like here are 10 that are pretty close to this design that are all ranking on page one and converting X amount of leads per month. So like, if you want to take a stab at it, we can totally go that route. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we would really suggest that we stick with what we have here. And it was just like, Oh, great. And it was, that's all he needed was like proof. You know what yeah. I mean? And, nope. and so that I can, and in my mind, it was like, yeah, there was several of those types of folks versus other types of folks were like, you guys tell me you're the experts. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I just want to get what, you know, as fast as we can to the results. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely different types of clients. And so I could see how categorizing them and then preparing your team, like, Hey, you're taking over this account. They're a type B. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They yep. don't like hearing stuff like this. They do like hearing stuff like this. 
Yeah, well, and then for your team too, it's not like, oh, I got this message from, you know, from John and it's so annoying. It's like, well, if you understand how John's brain works, then, it, you know, you're not going to take it personally. You know, it's just like, oh, this yeah. is how this person's mind works. This is how we need to serve them. And it also can reduce those moments where, uh, where there can be friction with the delivery team too. So let's shift gears and talk about something that I'm really focused on a lot these days, which is leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of agencies start with a CEO yeah. who can do something, right? Maybe they're good at ads, maybe they're a coder, maybe they're a designer, whatever. They build a team around them, but it's, they really struggle to get out of the doing and moving over to the CEO and being a leader. And so talk to me, do you help people through that transition? Like what, what tips or what are the things you focus on in that process? Yeah, yeah. So, so we, do, we do a fair amount with leadership, but um, one of the big things there is teaching people to let go of control, right? Mm -hmm. Because founders, like they're just used to having their hands in everything. And so um, the other part of that is, have they hired the right people? Because if you don't trust in your people and see them as having leadership potential themselves, it's gonna be really hard to let go of that control to a point where you are actually in a position to be a true CEO, right? So there's that. And then there's also this transition period, I think for, for most CEOs, I've, I've gone through it, I've coached several clients through it where you're doing all the doing or a lot of the doing, and then you bring on team and the doing isn't so much required of you, but then you're in a space where you're like, well, my calendar is kind of open, not really sure what I should do. I'm like subconsciously going to break stuff. So I have to get back in the weeds, you know, and, and I think there is a phase of that for most of us. And, and so, you know, again, we, we coach clients through that, helping them to really see and have that awareness of like, oh, this is how I'm showing up. This is what I need to shift so that my team can actually step up and thrive in their individual roles. You mentioned something I'd love to go a little deeper on of seeing leadership potential in a hire. Yeah. How would you describe that? What are the things that you're looking for to identify like they're a potential leader? Yeah. So, um, you know, again, I think it's someone who communicates pretty well. Um, someone who has initiative, uh, they bring ideas to the table. Uh, they're willing to, to challenge you, even if you are the founder or CEO. Um, I think those, those would be the big things. Now I'll put a caveat on that to where you as the founder or owner need to set up the culture for anyone who comes in to feel like they can give you feedback. They can bring ideas to the table they can take full ownership of their role and responsibilities because, you know, there's, there's that piece of it too. For sure. So of the whole process of turning a, you know, a new customer into a raving fan. Yeah. What do you think is the most crucial point? Yeah. So I think if there was one thing, I would say being really clear on what their expectations are and being sure that you can meet them and also like, how do we meet them? You know, because it's not just about the results. So it's that whole process of like, what is the journey for our client once they come on board and pay us? And then every step of the way, what are the touch points? You know, 
What does reporting look like? How are we tracking our clients? Um, what modes of communication are we using? And, and are, is that the best mode for our clients? Um, all, all of that plays into it. And again, it's not about you know, exceeding the expectations. It's really just meeting them and regularly checking in with clients. And it might be you know, once a quarter, we, we, we coach people on having a strategic review of like, hey, this is what we set out as our targets for this quarter. This is where we are. You know, how did it go for you? What do we, you know, what do we need to adjust or improve on? And then you set, set the next uh, targets. And do you help people say <laughs> to, to say no, essentially to money? Because I feel like yeah. I can remember lots of times where it was like a client would say, well, I want to meet, you know, twice a week or whatever. And mm -hmm the operations team would be going like, uh, and the CEO would be like, well, sure. We have a, a, you know, an extra plan for that. It's an additional $500 a month and sure you'll get those two meetings. And now it just like throws a, a log into the works because, you know, the CEO is like, great, this is an opportunity for an upcharge here, but it wasn't something that was actually part of the, the machine. Yeah. So yes, we absolutely help with, with what to say no to. And the way that we do it is um, we take clients through a process where they can see like what the time and energy output is for their clients. Right. And it might be that this client is paying more, but if there's infinitely more uh, or exponentially more energy and time going to that client, it may not be worth it, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes we can go, oh, well, they're paying a 20K a month retainer. And it's like, well, they're taking 100 man hours to fulfill on that. So, you know, so yeah, we, we use the data to help our clients, you know, with what they say yes and no to. Yeah, that's a, that's a very real struggle, I think, between CEO, founder, leadership and operations. Yeah. Um, is, you know, and I feel like every time operations is like, no, 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 sit down with me and watch the team go through the motions on that thing. And you'll get a real understanding of how much time goes into it. Cause it's always like, I can't take that long. Why is it taking that long to do that thing that I, you know, special ordered or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like it's a real eye opener when you actually drag them down to the factory floor, so to speak yeah. and say, no, watch what goes into this. Yep. Um, and is, do you work on that? Is that like a pro I feel like a lot of agencies could benefit from that practice, mm -hmm. but to me, it, it seems like it's a very common gap in sort of understanding. Yeah, totally. So yeah, we, we do help clients with that. Now the, you know, the caveat is the, the leader has to be open to, you know, adjusting their view on those things. So, you know, I mean, if it's someone who's not open to that, we're probably not going to work with them anyway. Um, but yeah, facilitating that communication between, you know, like an account manager lead or someone who oversees account managers and the, the founders of, of um, agencies is, is very common for us, you know, and, and we take the approach of, you know, we're not, we're not there for just the founders or just the account managers. We're there to actually help everyone holistically so that the business can move forward and, you know, the team can, can feel good about what they're doing and the owners can feel good about what they're doing. So yeah, it, it, again, that just comes down to clear communication, um, even like internally. So it translates to clients, translates to team. Uh, it's that core of communication.
Now, I feel like a lot of what we're talking about is traditionally misconstrued as the fluffy stuff or, or, or something like that, right? Yeah. How do you, do you have hard numbers or, or how do you look at it as far as like, no, when you, when you implement this type of stuff, you, yeah. we typically see retention go from here to here. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, obviously it varies by the business, but we've had, and you know, we've seen anywhere from an increase in retention of, you know, 5% up to 50% greater retention, you know, depending on, on the business. And, you know, here, here's a really hard number for you guys. So Bain and company did a study years ago and they found that if a business can increase their retention by 5%, their profit margin goes up by 25 to a hundred percent. Wow. So, yeah. So if you think about that, it's like, yeah. this is why we take our clients through this process of raving fan formula. And it, it's not just communication. Like there are some real, you know, hard tactical things that we do. Like what is your onboarding process? Uh, are you gifting uh, what is the communication channels? What are you saying in those channels? So there are some real, like, more tactical things that we do, but there is this big piece of like soft skills and what is the team communication like that, that they go hand in hand. And if you just have one and not the other, then it's going to be hard to even increase the retention by 5% as an example. So you mentioned gifting. So I have to ask, is that something that you recommend? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, and, you know, depending on your volume will depend on what you do for gifting. You know, like if an agency is bringing on 20, 30 new clients a month, you're probably not going to be super customized, but like for us, we're a consulting agency where, you know, we bring on four to six new clients a month. That's, that's kind of our max. And, you know, we'll look at, Hey, who is this person? What, what are they into? All right. We're going to send them something that we think is pertinent to their, their likes and interests. If it's, you know, if it's larger scale, then we help clients come up with something that's, that's just easily, uh, easily scalable. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And, and I know that there are services out there that you can use to fulfill that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, you build a workflow with a webhook, you know, customer slides to whatever stage of the pipeline and all of a sudden oh. the gifts in the mail and that kind of stuff can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And also the timing of gifts, you know, like it's easy to do it when, when they onboard and all of that, which is not a bad time to send a gift. But if you think about when your client might hit a little bit of a dip, like, oh, you know, four or five, six weeks into the service where maybe you guys haven't hit full throttle on the kinds of results that you can get, that's a good time for them to get something that says like, Hey, we care about you. We're thinking about you and just kind of get them even bought into the, the process more. Well, I'm going to take that opportunity to plug SaaS mode because one of my favorite things about it is it compensates for that ramp up dip. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we, when we used to run ads, ad campaigns, it would take, you know, a couple of weeks to get it all going and clients hate that. Right. And so when you start adding, when you start implementing all the SaaS mode features, stuff starts firing right away. Mm -hmm. It's such a difference. Cause it's like, Whoa, the last two agencies we went through told us to like sit tight for three to four weeks and like we'd hear back from them. And, you know, with that, that that's like at least an email or a call a week. Like when's, when am I going to see something? When am I going to see something? And so I think, yeah, like the automated features of SaaS mode and plus a, a well-timed gift mm -hmm. could really improve that first critical four weeks. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, to to plug uh, GHL a little bit more, like what we're in the process of doing too is building out some of these uh, fulfillment snapshots. You know, so that our clients can take some of these workflows and things on the on the delivery side and leverage those as well. So when we originally talked, you told me that you guys were working on an ebook that you you were shooting to have out in September. And now that we're recording in October, how did it go? Yeah, so the book is is done. Um, we're just getting it set up on Amazon, um, like print on demand and, and those pieces. But uh, yeah, as of right now, it's done. Now, the book is not uh, raving fan formula. That's gonna be like book two, probably by Q1 of next year. This particular book is is um, more pertinent to um, becoming like an empowered CEO, but through the lens of uh, traditional Chinese medicine. So it's it talks a lot about energy and how to understand energy when it comes to like you and understanding yourself, but also with your team um, and how to kind of leverage that to to grow your business. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, I mean, is that found at ethicalscaling.com? Uh, no, I don't have an easy link for that set up yet. Um, but I, you know, I can, I can get that as soon. You know, it's going to be on on Amazon in the next week or so. Um, but it, the name of the book will be called Ethical Scaling. So. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they can get in touch with you over at ethicalscaling.com as well, right? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Ben, thanks so much for coming on to chat with us about how to turn your new customers into raving fans. Hopefully you guys picked up some tidbits because again, like you said, and I really love the point, a great onboarding experience can often compensate for lackluster initial results. <laughs> and I yeah. mean, you know, it can buy you an extra month, which is all you need to turn it around, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you on the next one.